Welcome back, family. I want to thank you for coming back through to enjoy a little time while we chat. And of course, as always, I have so many thoughts in my head that I want to share. So much is going on in the world, more than we can understand or comprehend or grasp. When you see different people, we tend to assume that they have the same level of awareness that we do. Now, is that a condescending statement? No, because it doesn't mean that we know more than other people. It just means that we're at a certain level. Now, when I say that, they can hold true where someone else has a broader level of comprehension as to how the world is and what's happening in the world. And I'm realizing that more and more, even with myself. So my goal is to expand my awareness to other things. Now, we're not going to know every single thing, but if we can venture into different worlds on a regular and have a basic understanding, our conversation would get much more interesting, right? Many people try to bluff that, but when you've been exposed to a lot, whether it was from your childhood or you're doing it yourself, self-study, or you went to school, which can be a trap because you can get a piece of paper and a degree and think you know everything, and that's what kills you as far as your growth. My thing, I'm always attempting to see how others see the world. And it's a trip when you understand it. There are some people who have a great grasp of understanding of how the world works and what's within it, even though no one will ever know everything. And some people, yes, there are some people who don't have too much of an understanding of what's even going on in their own community, their own neighborhood. And then we have to fight the inner struggles that we do with our addictions, with our demons, which will take up a lot of time. Take up a lot of time where we're so much into that and fulfilling those lower desires and lower energies that it takes away from us understanding the broader scope of things in this world. So, you know, what pushes me into a sense of urgency is when I see my peers more so because they're close to me. But when I see people transition and they're here today and they're gone tomorrow, I just want to say one thing. I'm a little saddened right now. There's a young lady that I knew for many, many decades. And we always had this argument. What year we met? I say 87. And she says 88. But I think it's 87. And I proved it to her. Right. And it's been a long and wonderful friendship. But as of recent years. She had cancer. And it went into remission. And for several years we lost contact. And when it went into remission, I'm famous for, well, not because of the remission. I'm just saying it this way. It doesn't sound right. 
forget that <laughs> about the remission part right now, right? But usually I will kill off whatever Facebook pages I have because it gets infiltrated with watchers and page watchers and people who are not too sincere, you know, because you can't stop them from following you. So you just get rid of the page. And there are many people who have been angry with me because they thought I unfriended them. And so one time, while Maureen, my friend, went in remission with her cancer, and it wasn't too long ago, I had killed off one of the Facebook pages that I have. And she was a friend on that. So she thought that I unfriended her. So she was angry with me. And then it was hard to get to her because we were very, very close. Well, last night, I had a friend suggestion on Facebook. And I was so overjoyed to be able to communicate with her again. Her phone number had changed. She was changing multiple phone numbers a lot. She was just that kind of person. Here's my new number. So I didn't have the new number to call her. So I was so happy to pop up or for her to pop up in because of the algorithms that would bring her back to me. So I said, okay. I sent her a friend request. And I said, let me be nosy. And you're not nosy. And I don't do that, being nosy on people's pages, just anybody. But she's my dear friend. So when I went on the page, it said, in memory of Maureen Wright, January 15th, 2023 is when she transitioned. It was like being punched in the face by Mike Tyson, George Foreman, Rocky Marciano, Jack Johnson, and Joe Lewis at the same time. I couldn't breathe. It was within a year. It wasn't two or three years. It was maybe months before she transitioned. It was maybe fall and we lost contact and things were in remission. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. She saw me move to the motherland. I told her all about it. She wanted to come out here eventually. I said she's always welcome. But it won't happen. Now I know these things happen. And I had my tears a little earlier. I'm going to have some later on. Because we had a lot of wonderful memories together. Now this wasn't some romantic thing. It was brother and sister. Although in the beginning. A couple days there. You know. We'll keep it respectable. But. You know it's a thing. When you know somebody for so long. You could hear their voice. In your head. And they're gone. And the bad part was. I didn't know. This is late August. It happened in January. And you know the funny thing about it is. We did a show together. 
but I can't seem to remember what it was that we were talking about. So I'm going to go one by one and pull that show up. It was a very interesting conversation. See, she lived in the Bronx at that time. At the time of her passing, it was Upper Manhattan. She lived on, and this is not personal information now because she's gone. Her, her mother passed away, and I remember when that happened. But she lived on Bronxwood, 220-something street, 219th or something like that. And I remember I would come over to Whitestone Bridge, get up to Gun Hill Road, come down to Bronxwood, hook that right, come up, and I'd pick her up, and we'd go hang out in the city. And she was fun. She was really a whole lot of fun. And we'd drive, because maybe you guys don't know it, but I'm a driveaholic. I love to drive. I drive to drive. But what has pulled me back from that is the crazy drivers out here who have no... No consideration for other people's lives. It scares me. So I don't. And right now I don't have a vehicle. And I won't have one probably till. <laughs> I don't even need what as cheap as transportation is out here. But I'll get something. I'll get something another year, year and a half. I always say. If I had the choice. I'd rather live in a really nice house. And not drive. If, there was, if it was one or the other. As opposed to having a nice vehicle and I live in a milk crate or some, and it doesn't have to be a mansion, it doesn't have to be some luxurious whatever, because I know how to do enough to make it look that way. You know, because a home is artwork and a home is where you charge yourself. Like you put your cell phone on a charger or you plug it into charge. When you're home, you should be charging up. Your home should not have that kind of energy where you have the negative energy in your home, people who don't like you. No, when you're home, that's your heaven. And you recharge there. And you do not let certain people in there who do not like you, maybe you don't know it, but once you know it, you don't let them back in there again. And you could tell certain people when they find themselves in your home, maybe with another family member, and you show up, they get out and they run because they know they have no good in their heart for you. See? So, that's a very special place. And it's the base of my creativity, my thoughts, and I cannot have any antagonistic energies in my home at all. Even when they leave, they leave a feel. I didn't want to go off the topic, but I had to finish this one up. Have you ever gone home, like when you have other people in your house that you're living with? It doesn't have to be a lot, but they have friends. And they may have been there, and one of their friends came by, and the friend left. But you can feel it. And you say to them, who is here? Who is here? There's nothing changed, nothing looks different, but you know. And they leave a mark of their energy, their vibration. And you could pick up on that. It's the same way on a carnal level. 
if you have <laughs> a woman and a man in a bed and they're very intimate with each other. And you know teenagers. They live with you and you're gone and they bring someone who they fancy very much. You come home a little earlier, but they're gone. You peek your head in their room and they're not there. But it's like, whew, I know what you all were doing. It's the same way on a spiritual level. And so when I think about my friend Maureen, it's the same way. Wonderful person. She had some issues like anybody else did. I've shared some of the inside jokes, but you never knew who it was when I spoke of this person. And I won't connect the dots now. We'll leave it at that. But we had a lot of fun times together. And that let me know that we need to gravitate toward the people who really love us. And we need to let them know that we love them. So that if we're ever apart and one of us transitions, then you know and I know how we feel about each other. And it made me think about a lot of the fractured relationships that many of us have on this earth with people that may be under the umbrella of family. And it may not be DNA sharers. And you're never going to right every wrong. I thought about also how families never get it together all the way. Some do. Some don't, but the majority is where they don't. All of them, you know, big families. There's always a situation, always this perception of somebody who did wrong or they have, <clears throat> have something dormant inside of them. Or some of them may not have the ability to love. And that's very sad because those people will resent you for your ability to really vibe on a plane that they can't. And I'm convinced that they will never, some of them will never understand this thing called love. They see it as something as a waste of time. They see it as a weakness. And it just lets you know how much in a dark place they are in. They will even try to shame you for having the ability to vibrate true love. So when you say love to most people, it's something that you throw around easily. But real love, true love, it never ends. It never ends. It's not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. So for my dear friend Maureen Wright, you know it, sweetheart. You know I love you very much. And wherever your energy is, maybe one day we'll be connected. <clears throat> but I trust that this natural universe, nature, as orderly as it is, will be just as orderly in this place called afterlife, the next level, 
which holds more dimensions. Because when you look at it now, we're in a three-dimensional world. And some of us have gone to the fourth and fifth dimension as we've grown or outgrow this level. Some of us were already there. Others, they can't even grasp the three dimensions. What's so obvious on this plane? But you don't worry about those. Like I always say, every corn in the bag of popcorn doesn't pop at the same time. Some pop early as soon as you put it in the microwave. Some you have to wait a little while for. Others, they don't pop right into the point where you take it out of the microwave. They just made it. So you think they're all done? You shake out your popcorn into a little bowl, put whatever little butter or salt that you do. Hey, that's what people do, right? Watching your show, you're talking, and all of a sudden something, when you bite down, is hard. Then you find out that that's the corn that didn't pop. And I think about people and their ascension from the third three dimensions. Will you be that person who doesn't pop until after you leave this level? Have you gathered enough on this level to be ready to ascend even before your time comes? That's where I want to be. When you look at it, this is a vicious spiritual terrain and plane to live in. But at the same time, when you're living on a different plane, in this dimension, on this level, you can see the world as a beautiful place. But even in your meditations and your solitude, when you find that happiness, there's always something to come and try to pull you out of that because of their ego, their shortcomings and insecurities, their attitudes, or their just old plain old being evil and angry because they see that you've conquered self and they see that you've found that inner joy that nobody can take away. And I'm happy for that. But at the same time, I'm still preparing myself to be a better person so I can ascend easier when it's time to transition. You see, when you take care of the things that are necessary, you don't fear the next level. When you participated in class, when you went home and studied nightly, not just for a test, but to really learn when the surprise quiz pops up, you're not afraid of it. Not one bit. Because you're prepared because you lived this. So in your meditation of going inside to discover what it is that you need healing from, to be able to make yourself right with the universe that is part of something righteous, that you can't bring certain 
energies into, you know you're prepared. I always speak about the person who packs their bags a week before the trip. So let's say your flight is on Friday, this particular Friday, right? But you're a week and a half away from the flight. So you have a Friday in front of you. And then the next Friday, let's say it's Wednesday now. And Thursday and Friday, right? That Friday now is the week before you actually fly. So you pack your bags from Thursday night. Everything, toothbrush, personal uh, effects, the underwear, the slacks, the dresses if you're a woman, and the things that you need to be you, right? So you have your bag, bags packed a week before. So you have peace of mind. You're ready. Saturday comes, Sunday comes, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know that you're going to take that Uber or that Lyft, or if you're in Ghana, that Bolt or that Yango. The concept of Uber is all over the world with different manifestations. It makes you wonder why they never had that before, right? But your friends now who are going along with you on the trip, doesn't matter if it's two other people, one other person. Let's just say it's one other person. And you're having a nice rest early Thursday, the night before your flight. And this person who never packed their bags until Thursday night, they start, yo, man, if it's a guy, right? Let's stick with the women. Girl, you know, I got to change this toothbrush. Girl, do you have some pads? <laughs> I got to go out and get some of you don't have. Wait a second. Why are you dependent on the next person? You know, you need to take care of that. If you know your friend is coming up around soon, right? And I, I love the fact that many women down to the years, they've given their friend name, that friend that comes around every month. You know, I think Lulu is coming around. I'm not feeling too good. <laughs> uh, I think that's cute. And the funny thing is, there's a lot of Lulus out there. I met a woman way back in the early 80s. You know, when my friend comes around, I just call her Lulu. About 15 years later, I heard some lady on the bus. Oh, looks like Lulu's coming around. I had to tell her, listen, you're not the only person that calls her. <laughs> and she was laughing. No, oh, you lying. I said, no, I knew exactly what you were talking about. When you said Lulu, I had a friend back in the early 80s used to call it that all the time. Listen, ladies, if you're not too shy in the comment section, <laughs> put the name of what you call your friend. Let's have a little fun. If it's too much information, it's cool. You know, if you have a name for it, and you're too shy to say it, just say, hey, I have a name, and we'll leave it at that. Let's have some fun. Anyway, why am I saying all this? Because in life, we should strive hard to have our bags packed for transition. Do we want to transition right away? Most of us don't, because it's the unknown and just like my friend Maureen, who just passed away, I wonder, I say to myself, 
Where is she now? What is she experiencing now? What is it like? No, I'm not looking to find out anytime soon. I've got too many things inside of me that I want to share before I go. I have work, happy work, good work, my hobby, my, my divine job, whatever it may be, what I'm driven to do, which may seem insignificant to someone else and important to me. I never push myself on anybody like that. I don't have any air of self-importance. But I do something creative every day, maybe speak on YouTube, which I always push and do. But the other things that I'll really soon be getting into deeply, more so than this. And I'm so happy about that. And my friend Maureen, I'll say this. I don't really think she found herself. She worked a job. She was stable. She would go out. Not as much. Really not as much. She had a one or two friends that were cool with her, but they never had a chance to really get together the way they wanted to. And that's what bothered me. Unfulfilled potential. Now, really and truly, in our hangout days, which were gung-ho up until the early 90s, oh, man, she'd call me, what are you doing? Say, I'm not doing nothing. Now, you know I had things that I did that particular time in my life. But hanging out with her, it wasn't connected to those things. And you know what those things were. And she was drop-dead gorgeous. She was drop-dead gorgeous. And um, we were like brother and sister. I loved her very much. And there are many people, and I'm kind of rambling on about this because I want to make up points as I talk about that because it really hit me hard. Guys would see her. We would be somewhere walking down the street, Greenwich Village, Midtown Manhattan, park the car, hang out, or even just go somewhere and park the car and just talk and say, hey, let's get something to eat. Just totally carefree because back in those days, I guarantee you, if you hung out with me, You'd always want to hang out with me because we're going to have a good time. I'm pointing things out. We're making fun of people, not venomously, but in fun. And you're cracking up and we're driving and you're eating and we get out the car. and We go here. Let's go to Staten Island. Let's go to Brooklyn. Let's let's check out what's going on here. And I was always the last one standing like I was always it was never really liquor involved. Now, she would drink a little bit, but my other friends really didn't drink. But at the end of the night, when the sun is coming up, we're driving home. Everybody's mouth is open and their head back. <laughs> Same thing with her. <clears throat> but there was a sadness that she carried. You see, a lot of us, we think everything's going to last forever. And it's not. Nothing stays the same. Nothing lasts forever. And just like someone wrote on that particular page, you know, they were shocked and they were thankful for the memories. And just like a text message earlier, you know, it was explained to me. It's like, you know, we we have the gift of memories from these people that transition before us. And that really is the gift. But there's no YouTube for those memories. I mean, if you videotaped an event, yeah, you have that. But you have it in your head and you have it in your heart. And I've always been aware of this, 
that nothing lasts forever. And this is why in each moment, I would truly absorb each moment, whether it's face-to-face and more recently in my life, you know, last 22 years out of 60, the whole cyberspace, internet, plane. And I've got a gazillion experiences just from that alone. And they're all gifts to make me happy during the day when I think about it. But at the end of the day, we have to be thankful for every single day that we have, every moment that we have, and we can't take people for granted. But I will also say, you have to clean house. Because if there are other people in your life that don't realize this and take you for granted, try to minimize your accomplishments, try to put you down, try to dismiss you in front of other people. Try to make you uncomfortable and because of their insecurities, you need to get rid of them. Because they take away from the quality of life. And although I may not be a multimillionaire, I don't have to. What am I going to deadlock all of the money in the world and try to own all the money in the world? Then who's going to have money to spend on something? Plus this system is artificial anyway. So while I've been in it, give me enough just to make me comfortable. Because the fact of the matter is, I know my chronological age, and I'm seeing people that I know that are younger than me and some older, older than me drop. It's almost like an elimination match with boxers. You start out with 20, and you have some fight off each other. And the winner of that goes on to fight another winner until you whittle it down to the last two. And it's going to be one person to lose and one person to win. And in this elimination match, it's whittling down and I'm still standing. But victory doesn't always mean that you have the most, the longest chronological experience. You can still be behind in your your personal development. So you can't say, well, I'm 85 years old. I'm winning. I'm still standing. It really shouldn't even be looked at that way in an arrogant way because your time is still coming. But did you learn the lessons in life? How to treat your fellow man, how to treat your sisters, the women around you, how to erase all ego, how to realize that if you're not able to feel love and give love that you need that because You are not going to be able to transition properly if you don't have that in you. You know, I mean, have you ever gone to, uh, say, some type of, uh, you're traveling from one country to the next or you're trying to bring paperwork to validate who you are and they give you a list of everything that you have to bring, but you're missing one thing and they can't go through with the process. So you got to wait until next time and bring that document. The one you left at the table that you didn't think was as important, even though you knew you had to bring it. We lie to ourselves sometimes. We we tell ourselves that we don't need certain things. We can go on living like this. There's certain things that we still do and indulge in that we know is not going to take us to a better place. But we're so hooked on it and we say just one more time. One more shot of crack. One more shot of liquor. One more episode of adultery and fornication 
one more episode of talking bad about the next person because we don't want this other person to be popular like we know they're going to be. We have some weird demons inside of us, y'all. And I'm not saying it's something that looks ugly with, with horns or whatever. No. But every time somebody drops around you, it's a wake-up call to get your damn act together. It is. So when I saw that, I was punched in the face emotionally because of the loss of my friend Maureen. But it wasn't just because of that. It was a reminder to me that I'm not always going to be here. And what is it that I have to do before my time is up? So many of us project what we'd like to do. But we don't do it. I'm not saying there has to be some conquering the world type thing where we're going to be acknowledged as the greatest of this. But some people, I'm going to clean up my yard, make it look pretty, and they die and never do it. I'm going to reach out to my friend and apologize, and they die and never do it. I just want to travel and I want to go to the motherland, but they die and they never do it. Whatever it may be, it may not even be where you want to leave the country that you live in. I can't tell you what it is. What, what I want to do may not be what you want to do. And I would never inflict what it is that I do and want to do on anyone else. It's nice to meet people who are kindred spirits and have the same likes and the hobbies and endeavors. I'm always open for that. I'm so glad because I've been meeting some people out here that are really into the things that they do. Similar to me. And we're going to have some good times. But the funny thing about it is what brought me to tears. Sade. Was it 86? Was it 87? Might have been 86. And I met Maureen in 87. I met her around the time when Sade came up with the song Maureen and I used to tease her about that I said man you got your own song Maureen is not a common name but it's not a strange name either when you hear it it's like oh my god I never heard that name before where'd that come from no Lance is not a common name but it's not uncommon either but when you know a Maureen you usually know one of them <laughs> you know what I mean like if it was John you could think back okay yeah John when I was in elementary school. Three Johns when I was in middle school. There's Johns all over the place. I'm not putting down the name. I'm just saying Samuel and John and, you know, David. And, you know, it's like Lance. Okay. How many Lances do you know? Most people may know of. Like somebody famous. Right? I'm not saying I'm famous. I'm just saying somebody else who, you know. It, it was crazy. Um, to get off topic for a second. Back in the 70s, there's a, there was a white uh, actor, young boy, maybe around my age. His name was Lance Kerwin. <laughs> and me with Lance Skirvin, right? They used to tease me. They would always say, Lance Kerwin, you know, or in class if I'm saying my name. No, 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 it's Kerwin. And then now, with the magic of the internet and seeing, you know, through Googling your name and checking certain things out to see how effective you are in getting things out, I pulled up a name. That wasn't me. You know what that name was? Lance Skirvin. I couldn't believe it. They're not only just Lance, which I'm used to, but Skirvin? 
But here it is. Phonetically, it's the same, but it's spelled different. It's Lance Skirvin. Now, my name, of course, is S-C-U-R-V, as in Victor, I-N, as in Nancy. This guy's name was the same Lance, but it was S-K-I-R-V-I-N. So the C and the U for me was a K and an I for him. But phonetically, that name has the common origins because way back in the day, Skirvin and people mess up and write it over again. The other offshoot of my name phonetically as it morphed off into something else is Sterling. When I checked the history of my name, it's maybe like phonetically similar, but not even the same. Skirvin and Sterling are two different things, but they have the same origin in Skirvin. Skirving, S-K-I-R-V-I-N-G. Somebody who was taking these names down might have been intoxicated, drunk, and messed up with a letter. There was no computers back then, hundreds of years ago, right? Now, how did I get there? I don't know. But this guy is a white guy. I think he's in the Midwest, and he's a real estate agent. <laughs> so I know he might have pulled up on Google me and said, oh, my God, this guy's intense. He's talking about racism. and all. It scares some white people sometimes. But if Lance Gervin... If you ever hear me, reach out to me. My contact information is below. I'd love to have a show with you and talk about the name and how you found it, if you found it. And I'll tell you the same. I think it's very interesting. Right? I like to do different things like that from different angles. But I used to, with that song Maureen by Sade, didn't forget, we came back on it. It would come on the radio while we're driving. Maureen, hard to explain, never gonna see you again. How's it go? You'll never meet my new friends. Man, I broke down after that. Because I was always telling her about new friends that I met and imitating them. Because my friends would know that I would imitate them. And it's like, Lance, they don't talk like that. You're lying. You're adding stuff on. I'm like, no, they really talk like that. They really, really talk like that. And then they might meet them or talk to them on the phone in the modern day, like a three-way type of um, WhatsApp call or whatever. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to call this person. Don't bust out laughing in their face. I'm going to keep a straight face. I'm taking my face. <laughs> and they're like, yo, you did it exactly like the way. Yeah. But it's never making fun of people. But I love the differences in people. But that thing really hurt me, that song by Sade tonight. I had my plate of food in front of me and... I played it. I must have played it like 15 times. I I wanted to feel it. I wanted to go back there. She knew that that was her song. You know, she was the biggest fan of it. It wasn't like, oh, I have to hear this all the time because she says my name. But it caught her essence as she got older, but she was younger. And now I play the song now, and the words now hit me. It's like, Okay, I'm not saying Sade knew and that's how they wrote the song, but something out there knew that this song, in a way, would hit me in a very special way. Maureen, hard to explain. Never going to see you again. Never meet my new friends. And then in the song, they were talking about memories and stuff. So I, I superimposed my own. And I'll tell you, one, that was so funny between us. We were driving. And... We went halfway to Manhattan from the Bronx and she forgot. I don't know what it was she forgot. 
but she had to get it. <laughs> She's like, I got to go back home. I was so mad. I mean, we had little friendly squabbles. So I'm like, why don't you, you know, you every time I pick her up and go somewhere, I'm like, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have that? Oh, okay. She was heading to Manhattan, but she had some money that she had to pay back a friend who was going to be hanging out down there too. And I was going to hang out with her. So I said, okay, we turned around, we got the money. We got by a public phone because we didn't have cell phones like that that were affordable back in the 80s. So she called a friend's voicemail and her friend would always check her voicemail. That's how a lot of us did it. It's like, leave a message on my voicemail. I'll check it. You know, and if I get to you, whatever, you know, if you're not home, whatever, we would work something out like that. So here we are going down on the Cross Bronx Expressway. Somehow and then we were going to hit one of the, the major Deegan, something, whichever way. So I get off while I was in the Bronx still. We pulled up on the service road of this of the highway. And the highway was sunken down, you know, so the service road of the roads on both sides that you can drive and go local. You don't have to go on, off any exit because you're not on the highway. So I was like, listen, I got to pee real bad. So he said, all right, go ahead, find a spot. So it was already dark. So it had rained really bad earlier. And there was a part that I was going to go to next to that service road. I parked right there and I was going to walk down the hill a little bit until I'm out of sight <laughs> to do my thing. I remember I had this, uh, this had to be wintertime. I had this uh, really nice overcoat. I used to have a lot of nice overcoats, which I do not need out here in the motherland. They were warm. They were nice. I had several of them. There was a spot that even sold used quality. Like you go to rich neighborhoods and you go look at the stuff that they've sold to these places. And they charge you next to nothing for it. It fits right. So I had some really classy, classic overcoats. So when winter came, and it would keep you so warm too. Kudos to that store and several others in the village that I found like it. But I walked down a few steps and she said, I saw you walking down until you were about waist high. You know, you're going down the hill and all of a sudden, boom, you were gone. I was like, you know why, right? Because I fell. I slipped on the mud and I had mud all over my overcoat. I had these really huge, not huge, but the army military pants with the um, little pockets in there for, for ammunition and stuff like that from the army surplus. And I had these boots. I was always, you know, in the wintertime, I was like ready to walk through snow and ice and blizzard because I love to walk. And I don't care how cold it was when I was in Manhattan with friends or whatever. <laughs> be ready. We going to walk all night. Just like I can talk a whole lot and do shows and all that stuff for a long time. And turn around and go live again. I proved myself years ago. I do my little hour now, maybe something else. And when I settle in for good elsewhere, and you all know what that means, we're going to come with it because it's going to be easy. What else will I have to do? <laughs> so anyway, I fell. I took my leak and I came up and she was cracking up. I'll never forget her face. I will never, ever forget her face. And the sad part is we never took a picture together. But it wasn't like we had cell phones with digital cameras on it and stuff like that because we took a lot of pictures and did video and stuff and I'd have that stuff to share with you but you just have to take my word for it and visualize it and I'll try to describe things as much as we can now I'm going to tell you like a really funny bizarre story a really bizarre story a bizarre story and she wouldn't mind she'd tell it herself I think I don't know if she told it on that video that we did I really have to find that within the next few days. I got some stuff to do tomorrow. 
really early, and um, maybe tomorrow night I'll dig for it. But this is funny. It's not X-rated, but it's like kind of risque. But it's nothing you can't hear. So she would always wear these really short black miniskirts and heels and sometimes the fishnets. And this is why guys would see. And listen, she had a shape. She was, there was one time, and like we were platonic friends. So it was like, I dropped her off by the Staten Island Ferry one day. She used to live in Staten Island. She was going out there and I was in Manhattan. So she, can you come to the Bronx and just pick me up? I was the free Uber for a lot of people. <laughs> I was the Uber that never got paid. But it was no problem because I love getting around. Right? So I dropped her. And she walked away. And it was just like a physique thing. Not even lust. I said, oh my God. I said, Maureen, come here for a second. She said, I got to go. I said, listen, I got to tell you something. You're at the height of your womanhood right now. Right now, if you sit down on the seat. Where a guy sat down before, you'd get pregnant. I said, you are full. You are so built. Her body was a fascination. Listen, let's be real. You know, fellas, how sometimes, you know, yeah, she's uh, she's got the backside, but, you know, the top, you know, black men, they, they, they you know, the top, the breast, that's secondary. And white dudes like, oh, she has a really great rack, but she's flat as a board. That's how they do. But black men, they like the backside and the thighs more than that. But that is extra. And men, men do like breasts. But she had the kind of body you couldn't figure out which was which. And it wasn't lust. It was just like a fascination. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you see a cousin at the family reunion. You're not looking at it that way. But you're like, man, you really, you sprouting out over there. These guys are going to be going crazy. You see it. And um, we had pulled up overlooking because this night I was tired. I think we hung out two nights in a row. And this night I got tired a little early. And I never really got tired. I knew I had to drop her off in the Bronx and go through over the Whitestone Bridge. So I had a lot of, I had a lot of miles to do after she was dropped off. And mm, good night. And before I hit that Whitestone Bridge, I knew she would be sleeping. I had more driving to do. So I was like, listen, let me just pull over right here. We planned on hanging out more, but, you know. We just pulled over and it was like a couple blocks above the Christopher Street dock. You had other docks, but then they, they were like dividers. And so it was Cobblestone, 12th Avenue. We just pulled up right there. It was nighttime. Might have been like maybe 1030. And so I was tired. But you know me, I'm ready anytime. You know, like, hey, don't mess with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So she was sitting there and all these vagrants came up, Right. But we both fell asleep. Doors were locked. But she kind of screamed, ah, Lance, I didn't realize I fell asleep and I don't do that in the street. We had tinted windows and everything, but the windshield wasn't tinted. So there was a white dude that looked just like the dude. Remember the dude years ago? Was it Channel 13? He was a white dude that taught people how to paint and he had an afro and he had a kind of, well, if you take some of the purple here and smear it into the trees and the green will mix with that and create a nice effect like a reflection off of the water. And if you take a little bit of white, don't not too much. <laughs> Y'all got to Please tell me I'm not crazy. I remember this guy for a long time. He had an afro. It was a white guy and he had this voice. Yes, and if you take some of this, and, and you'd watch them. And I, I had friends and friends' mothers who 
would watch this stuff and follow behind him, and they did good. He just, if you couldn't draw or paint, he had you painting. This dude that was peeking in the windshield right in our face when I woke up, it was the most frightening thing because we were right by the Hudson River overlooking New Jersey. Years ago when you would overlook New Jersey that way, or Jersey City, you'd see Palisades Amusement Park. I'm kind of name dropping tonight in the circle line going around the boat. So she screamed. But we, my door was locked. We found out that her door wasn't locked. And she's like, Lance, it was about six dudes standing around my car. But that one there that looked like the guy that painted, he was the one looking down in. And I said, let's get out of here. They weren't doing anything, actually, but it was creeped me out because really that was like three in the morning when we, we fell asleep for about five, four, four and a half hours right there. And the windows were all fogged up, too. So that's why he was looking down. But here's the funny part. Her door wasn't locked. And as I began to drive reverse, I didn't have to like speed off, but I just got out of there slowly. And they were all standing there like, like ghouls, like night of the living dead. How come? We drove half a block, and she had her own little flask of something to drink. And it's night. You see the World Trade Center. As we pulled away, we faced south, the cobblestones, and up some of those blocks, they had clubs and people out there. You hear the bass, boom, 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 boom. Various people walking around, some people walking around drunk, you know, some drunk white guy, hey! you know what I mean? And you're in the car safe, like, eh, I ain't got to bother with that threat. So she looked out. She says, oh, my God, Lance. Lance, look. I said, what? The car's dark. She said, cut the lights on. I said, what? I thought it was like some big bug going to jump on me, right? <laughs> like, what is it? A snake in the car? I put the light on. And she says, and she's reaching down to her ankles. Her panties were pulled down to her ankles. I said, did you dream that you were peeing or something or something? I'm like, how'd that get like that? Your door's locked. And she grabbed the hand. The door's not locked. I said, did one of them guys open the door? We were sleeping. I don't know. We'll never know. But how did her panties get around her ankles? She was leaned back. And the, chair, the chair was leaned back all the way. She started a little bit sleeping that way. And it leaned back all the way. Did one of them guys take their time on a thrill? Because the skirt was so short. And it just kind of went up. Like I said, dudes would see me with her. And want to talk to her. And if I went to the rest, uh, like we're in a restaurant or something, and I went to the bathroom, hey, uh, sis, can I ask you something? Yeah, what's going on? Is that your man? No. <laughs> right, because I wasn't. You know? And so they would try to talk to her and stuff if there was somebody that she didn't like, they weren't, it wasn't happening. And they're like, yo, man. They, they would tell her, this happened like three times, yo, he, he's not your man, but, you know, is he trying? You know, is he trying to. Uh, Said, so, uh-uh, we're platonic friends. Oh, hell no. Yo, homeboy must be gay. <laughs> Not knowing my alter ego and the kind of parties I threw, and you know, I could handle being around a woman and not be trying to jump on her. It was refreshing. And I'll I'll interject little stories about my friend Maureen and the fun we had. You know, I try to find that recording and stuff, but you know. I always tell people that are close to me, I'm here with you now, you're here with me now. 
But we all have our expiration date. Let's try to jam as much fun and connectedness as we can while we have each other. Because one day, you're going to hear about me. Or one day, I'm going to hear about you. And there may be things between us that we need to straighten out. Certain understandings. To rise up to a better quality friendship or relationship. And we need to do that now. Now, some people, again, I say, they come into your life to use you. And that's all they are there for. The narcissist of the world. They don't feel love. They don't have the capability of loving. You're an object to be used. When they don't need you, they get rid of you. Or they just don't bother with you until they need you again. You don't need that cheap filler of a non-entity in your life. You want to allow people to come into your life that vibrate fully. And if they're not, they want to know why. And they're going to make amends to improve themselves in every way. To be a better person, not only for themselves, but for their families and for the community and to be considerate. But again, once you find out that somebody resents you, wants to ridicule you, minimize you, then you get rid of them when they're an enemy. Because if they showed you that hand and that deck that they got the hand of cards of who they really are, and you know what's in their hand, then you need to run. Because too many of us carry friendships that are toxic when you know this person has an issue with you. And even if you don't get rid of them all the way, you put them at such a distance that they can't touch you. But do not let them in your inner circle. But I'm so happy that, especially back in the 80s and early 90s, you know, I got married eventually and my first wife and kids and stuff. So, you know, life takes over, but you're still keeping contact. But there's always that feeling in life that we can't take for granted. Please, if you're listening to this, we project to the future and we say one day, one day, one day. And the older you get on the chronological level, that one day is further and further away. It's not a time thing that, well, if I outlast this time period, that will happen. No, you have to earn that work toward that. I remember my father always wanting to go back to where he lived in. You know, he's from Jamaica, but he lived in different places. He was a butcher for 11 years, a real butcher, meat hanging and it's coming down and chopping it and whatever. So he would tell me different parts of the human body. Like, if you need to do this, you could do that. You know, I don't want to think about those lethal things, but I know some things with a knife. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he always taught me everything. He drove an 18-wheeler, did all 48 states, and he's been around. My mother graduated from Juilliard School of Music and sung and, you know, operatic voice. I was exposed to so much. But they both had things that they wanted to do. As they got older, my father passed away at 74 and my mother passed away at 64 and I'm 60. So I'm getting up in that mix. So it's a challenge to me that physically I want to outlive and have more time. Doesn't mean that it was more intense than their lives, but I just want more time. And I have things right now that I have to do.
now. It's day by day now. It's day by day. I don't, I don't want to leave until I get these things out of me. On a creative level, there's things that I've experienced, stories that I haven't told, visuals that I haven't drawn. And the thing is, even when you try so hard, you're not going to get it all out because there's going to be something else that you're striving for as a creative. It's not a curse, but it can be titled that way. The curse of the creator or the creative or the curse of the creative person. I'll just say the curse of the creative. That when you finish, for example, when I start banging out pieces of artwork, I have my spot chosen on the balcony under the sun. What time of the morning? I already have it chosen out. Hopefully I'll get there, right? And there's always something that you're not going to get out because your time will come, but at least transition striving for it. But in the present time, I don't want to think about how much time I wasted. I want to do it. I have to do it now. I'm not going to get fooled. Oh, I'm here and, you know, I'll get around. No, 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 no. If I got to cut out some nondescript haters in my life, which I've been doing it. I've been blocking and deleting. My phone is like, yo, I feel light. (laughs) (laughs) My phone is like, I feel like I had a bad case of diarrhea because there's not too many names as much in the contact list. Because you got to travel light. To be able to go inside of yourself and fulfill the mission of leaving all that you know in whichever way. Whether you talk to your grandchildren, whether you write a book, whether you draw an illustration or you get on YouTube and start talking. Don't take what you have with you. The world needs it. You have to understand that we are all the sum total of our experiences. And when we transition how are they going to get what we have deep inside? So by me telling you little Maureen stories, which somebody that's trivial, she experienced it. She told some friends of hers. I told some friends of mine. And there's a whole lot more. But now it can go out as a cyber ripple effect and affect the minds and subconscious minds of people who are out there. So when you look at a person like Maya Angelou, who told stories sometimes very raw, of what she went through. You need to hear these things because there are people out there going through things similar or worse. And by sharing your story and how you evolved out of the situation or found a solution to it would help a person to unlock themselves from a world of dysfunction. We're all made in a special way. Who you are can reach somebody that I can't. Who I am and how I'm wonderfully made may be able to reach somebody else that you can't. If I try my key in that lock over there, it might not work. But if you try your key, it may open the door. And I don't care if it's not me who opened that door. I want to see the door open to unlock somebody from the toxicities of their life that they couldn't shake. From the person who's addicted to drugs, they couldn't shake the habit, but you talk to them and you vibe with them and you help over time to pull them out. There are worlds that I know about. 
graphic things that I can talk about to the young men to keep them from falling into a trap with a wayward woman. And I'm not saying the good women. We got the good ones out here. I'm all for the good ones. But the wayward women out here who are out here like vipers, just after your money, just after your status. It makes me think about what's going on now with Steve Harvey. Now, I'm not into the Hollywood gossip. There are many people talking about this as though it's been proven. I don't know, but enough people are talking about it. I'm not going to perpetuate something that's a lie. But if this situation is true, and if you haven't heard it, you say, well, what happened? Well, Steve Harvey has a wife. And his wife, they say, was having an affair with Steve Harvey's close bodyguard and security for about 20 years. And I thought to myself, and many people in the comments section of these various videos, they were like, so what? Karma's hitting him. Because it's well documented that his ex-wife, who she says did he did her wrong. She was the one who helped him out, kept him from being homeless. I think he was homeless at one point when they met. I, I, and I don't know, I, I know that's in there. So I'm not a specialist in Hollywood gossip, right? But she was the one who got him to where he had to go. And according to her, he ditched her, dumped her, turned his back on her. He was already around with a lot of women when he got on his feet. And there was this one that he's married to now who has a really shady background of um, different men, different marriages, married to this dope dealer. I'm not saying he was the biggest one, but he was kind of big from what I hear. I think it was in Washington, D.C. But you can hear all the, the facts are out there of those things, right? But for her now to be with Steve Harvey and she's getting all this attention and getting into places where she wouldn't be able to get into. And not somebody that he didn't know. None of it is right. But the bodyguard. And so now the bodyguard. What about his connection with Steve Harvey? They were supposed to be tight. But the bodyguard I heard used to be a pimp. So was he maybe on an invert level jealous of the fame and money of Steve Harvey? And he's working for Steve Harvey, but yet he may still have had the pimp mentality. Because you have some men out here that they think nothing of themselves. And most pimps don't think much of themselves. They need that control over a woman to feed an ego that has a big hole in it, like a big hole in the bottom of a cup. That no matter what happens, you're not building real esteem from pimping women. You got a problem. So maybe, maybe he was envious as a man of Steve Harvey's attention and success and that he's paying me to bodyguard him. And whatever he got as far as money had to be good. But it, Steve Harvey, I know he wasn't giving away all his money to this guy. So to me, there was some kind of resentment. Because this guy who was a pimp 
would probably know how to manipulate women on all levels. And when you're Steve Harvey's bodyguard, trust me, it ain't hard to catch the crumbs. But sometimes some men are envious of the attention and success of other men and they want to be the man. So you know what they do when they have that type of vicious envy? To one-up that man that they're jealous of that's helping them out, but giving them a job or on a higher level, on, on a monetary level? They want the secret thrill of going after that man's wife or their woman. And not because they really want that woman. But it's like, he can't be nothing. He can't be sugar honey iced tea. He, if you know what that means, it means shit. Sugar honey iced tea, right? What do you mean by, you keep saying sugar honey iced tea? Well, now you know. Sorry to say the word, right? He ain't shit. If I can bed that, yeah, he got the fame, he got the money. But I cracked the code and I got his woman and she's squirming under me. I got my thing in her mouth. Look at that. Mrs. Steve Harvey. It was not no glorious. We love each other, but you're married to somebody. And no, 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 no. You can't tell me. That was to one up him. If this is true. And this is how many men do, you know. They aim at the wife when they can't stand the husband. So they're trying to compete. So people out there, if you're listening, if it's the woman listening who's the wife, know that you may have people around you who are friendly with your husband. But they want to get with you to one up him because outwardly they're friendly. But deep down, they're very jealous. So it's a thing to have something on him. Yeah, he's he may be handsome and famous and uh, yeah, but I had her. And women do the same thing too. <coughs> now, why was my throat messing up? Let me get a sip of this juice. I'm not gonna edit this part out either. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to my throat is dry, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap this down. <laughs> I'm my own worst enemy. I can go on forever. Got to put a little liquid down. Anyway, be careful of that. Be careful of the if you re- ladies, if you really love your husband, be careful of that viper that may be nearby. You know, it's like the old song. I wish he didn't trust me so much. My voice sounds funny. <laughs> I got to get to bed. But anyway, rest in peace, rest in power, Maureen Wright. <clears throat> I love you and. A lot of my friends, you know, you knew them too. And I wish you can meet my new friends. I can't say I'm never going to see you again. But it will be in a different form, if anything. And like I always say, the creator doesn't give you people in your life that you begin to love and you love them. And you have a connection to them and he snatches them away forever. No, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't, I don't romanticize certain things, but I, I look at nature. And nature is cyclical, cyclical, you know, goes around, comes around. But one one more thing I want to say about Steve Harvey. You see the videos that his ex-wife put out there and he hurt her really, really bad. He hurt her in the way he did her. And all you're hearing in the comment sections of these particular videos that speak on that, and you'll probably hear about it more, is that karma is on his ass. 
No matter how much money you have, how much fame you have, how much good words you can speak, what you've done in the dark is going to come out in the light unless you make amends and clean yourself out. And I know many people who have done me wrong and done Mrs. Skurve wrong and done the both of us wrong. It's okay. Because these people can speak on a spiritual level from plagiarized words that they don't feel. But the bottom line is, you're not getting away. So you can play pretend that in your world, in your religion, or your made-up way of thinking about how the world is, or how life is, and what happens after you leave this level. To me, and I don't think anybody will disagree, the real, real way on a spiritual level that has nothing to do with religion is that there's one way there's one way we go out of here so no matter how much we lie to ourselves with religion and these made up belief systems well we gotta start somewhere so I can't be mad at you what you gotta understand is that we're all gonna pay the piper no matter what you say I'm not gonna argue with you if it's right or wrong but I will say there's one way out of here on a spiritual level. So just because you believe in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you can knock the person who says he's a Buddhist or a Muslim or Jew or, you know. I'm not down with atheism, right? They're, they're, they're cuckoo. Because let me tell you something, like I said before, no matter who you are, you're going to call it the name of God, I'm not attaching that to any religion. I'm talking about that one force that created the whole universe, that place we go back to in this cyclical process of life. We are going to the next level. We're only here for a little while. This is, this is, this is a placement exam that we're taking to see where we place on the next level. But even when you are atheists, there's two instances, <laughs> and I'll leave it after that. <laughs> but there's two instances where you will call out God's name. You're driving in a car, and you're on a highway, and you see an 18-wheeler jump the divider and come at you, and you can't sway away from it because there's another 18-wheeler next to you, so you're boxed in. What are you going to do? You can't do anything. So you as an atheist, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Well, wait a second. Why are you calling out God's name when you said it didn't exist? Ain't that something? Okay, so I'll tell you the other one. <laughs> Somebody's like, well, what's the other one? When you're having the most mind-blowing, delicious, explosive, orgasm that you can think of I don't care who you are you're going to say oh God oh God oh God and we'll end it there I always like to end sometimes on a laugh Lance Curve out much love to you on to the next one like share and subscribe leave your comments and know that I love you all rest in peace Maureen Wright I hope you enjoyed this I'm going to go play a song a couple of times while I edit this. And I have more tears to shed of appreciation, you know, to reminisce and to carry her with me for the rest of my life. As I do all of you who transition and all of you who are alive, 
with the sense of urgency of knowing that my time is not going to be forever and that there are things that I have to do. Thank you so much. I really, really, really love you all, your energy. Even if I don't know you, even if you never talk to me, the fact that you made it this, to this part of the video, that means you rock with me. So I'm going to give you love and throw love out. Let it go where it has to go, wherever you are, whoever you are. We may not talk for five years. You might, might leave a comment, maybe give me a call. I don't know. Give me a text or a call, whatever. Throw me a text. I'm on WhatsApp. I do want to hear from all of you. Thank you so much for listening to my memories and my thoughts. Peace.